Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Happy Monday, everybody. Uh, welcome back to What's Biz Live from our Brangaroo Studios. You have tuned in for the call. Uh, 10 stocks picked by you. I put them to our expert panel. We do it all in one hour. I chuck in a stock of the day. Plenty to choose from today in the midst of the earnings season. Uh, let's bring in the panel. Mark Morlan from Team Invest. Mark, happy Monday to you. And you too, Koshi. Good, good to see you. Good to see you. And Nathan Thomas and Durham from Deep Data Analytics, who uh, is feeling his age <laughs> this Monday after playing uh, cricket over the weekend. How'd you go? Uh, a lot of pain. <laughs> a lot of pain. But we won, so that's a positive. On a batsman, bowler. Oh, as with everyone. We start off as a bowler, we get old, and we become batsmen. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I love it. Okay. Uh, as long as you won. Did you win? Yeah, we won. Well, you know, we won. Yeah. Well done. It makes it all worth it. All right. Let's take a look at the uh, uh, the first five stocks that you want us to run our eye over. Corporate travel management. Also, Team Invest Private uh, has come up as well. So we thought uh, with Mark on the show today, we'll uh, run through that. Appen, IGO and AIC Mines. Uh, stock of the day though, online retailer Kogan uh, reported this morning has reinstated its dividend after swinging back to the black in the December half. Uh, first, first half net profit coming in just shy of 8 million bucks compared to a loss of nearly 24 million um, previously. This despite revenue falling nearly 10% as consumers spent less amid cost of living pressures. Um, Nathan, how did you see the result from Kogan? Yeah, this is your retailer on steroids. Um, mm -hmm. It'll move a lot and yep. you've you got to have the volatility built into it. Um, look, I think all Gee, retailers... Market like the result though, didn't uh, they? Yeah, there's about a, a two, two, two and a half percent short. I think they just got uh, smoked. Right. Um, so you get that, enjoy the short covering. Um, look, I think the retailers generally have had a pretty good run um, and you've seen the, the, the good ones really outperform. Yep. To extreme levels. Um, remember, it, it is retail. It's cyclical. So um, when rates are being cut, that means things are going to be weaker into the outlook. So I, I'm not getting excited. Um, look, this is this is one where we've had issues with how you rate management yep. uh, historically. Um, we haven't got a great track record. Um, it's been on a multiple upgrade cycle with consumer spending, so that's a positive, and it's worked out quite well. Um, so if you've been in it, it's a good trade. Um, but would I be jumping in? No. Um, I think retail is tough. If you're going to be in retail, you want to be in the, the big players, um, the JB Hi-Fi's, the super retail, the premier investments. They're, they're the best in a, yep. in a weak cycle that you want to be in. Um, Kogan will move hard on both directions. Right. So. On the online, Temple Webster have yeah. done really well. 
It, it's been that's right, but yeah. No, I mean, a lot better than Koga. Yeah, you can put Temple and Webster. Um, you can put. I mean, other retailers that have done well is Nick Scarly, everyone's yep. favourite. Yeah. Um, they've all done like the good ones have done well. And but the poor ones, Kathmandu, City Chic. Yeah, I mean, City Chic used to be every man's darling. Yeah, every small cap fund manager had it. Yep. Now you couldn't, you know, find a friend. Uh, yeah. So in that context, things can turn on you. It is cyclical. So just be careful. Kogan is not your t- uh, tier one yeah. retailer. So uh, I'm not chasing that. Right. Okay. Um, Mark, what do you think of uh, of Kogan? Uh, well, we've never liked Kogan, and, and mainly it's been due, due to our management issues. Uh, Ruslan was very generous with himself and on uh, what he paid himself. It seemed out of context to the fact also he was a major shareholder, so we've never been comfortable with it. It was performing quite well for about uh, four, four or five years, and then from 2019 it sort of dropped off and went into a big loss, which... Interestingly, that is totally opposite to what I would class as the, the good retailers, uh, JB Hyper, Nick Scarley and so on, who all of them maintained earnings all the way through post-COVID. And we, we, we put a lot of value on stability because stability shows that management's in control and knows what they're doing. When you have these big drops where you go from being profitable to a massive loss and then come back again, it's like, well, what, what's going on with that? I mean, at least with mining company, and who are commodity price takers and so on, you can blame the commodities. Yeah, that's fair enough, but not a retailer. So uh, we wouldn't touch Kogan. It's a very much a B-grade operation from our point of view. And, and and we do have some really good retailers in this country, Mark and If you've got a portfolio and you want exposure to retail, particularly in a market like this, that both you and Mathan constantly say, you just you go for the proven performers. Why take the well, risk? Well, that's, that's what that's what we do. I mean, why would you take the risk? Because uh, Kogan's always had a very high PE as well, which was I never understood why how that was justified. Uh, you look at Jade Hi-Fi and Nick Scarlett and so on. They've typically been around ten-ish. I think they're they're both higher than that at the moment. But uh, I've got Nick Scarlett, Jade Hi-Fi uh, in my portfolios, and they've done. Nick Scarlett, by the way, has been the best performer. You look at it over the last ten years. Nick Scarlett, I think, twenty-four percent every compound return for the last decade. Right. So, right. but they've all done. Those retailers we were talking about have all done really, really well with reliable management and very stable earnings and paying very high dividends. Uh, as well. So why would you go past that if you want to for for your retail investments? Yep. All right. Let's um, go on to the first stock that you want us to take a look at. Uh, And Mark, Michael uh, wants a view on corporate travel. Um, And uh, Michael says corporate travel cratered after the result, but all the operating metrics were substantially up on internal expectations. Earnings increase more the revenue displaying cost control and value extraction the only negative comments seem to be related to the us um, with company expenditure there due to higher ticket prices with the business twice the size it was why on earth would the market value this so low i i've got a sneaking suspicion michael is in corporate travel uh, and is a bit disappointed with the with the market reaction well, I think the market reaction has been typical. You know, if you if you if you report good results, your share price immediately created. And think about it: we had, uh, um, I think, uh, PME went down nearly twenty percent. So did uh, Data Three went down nearly twenty percent on what I thought were outstanding results. So there's nothing unusual about that. I mean, that's just following the the theme. And of course. If you then seem to report negative results, you, your price goes up. So don't, don't ask me to explain the market. <laughs> it's, uh, it's way beyond uh, my pay grade. 
having said that, I agree with what you just said, that corporate travel post-COVID is twice the size it was before. And unlike Flight Centre, corporate travel is now basically back to its pre-COVID earnings, which I would argue is half what it will be because the business is twice as big now. Right. So it's not a straight line. You know, they've come back from a, obviously a, uh, yeah, what, is a, what was a definitely a black swan for them, uh, but they are uh, back into uh, earnings about the same as what they were before COVID, and I'm expecting that to strongly go up. So the share price drop, from our point of view, was a buying opportunity. Right, okay. okay. All right, so you'd, you'd be buying at these levels? Yes, absolutely. Okay. What do you reckon, mate? What do you reckon, mate? <laughs> uh, look, it's, it's the classic revenge travel. And it's with, I love the market because the market assumes every short-term trend is forever. Right. Like, you know, you get this thematic, it's like, that's going to last for a decade. <laughs> and going, nothing has ever lasted for a decade. Well, uh, it's different this time. It's different this time. Yeah, as you can <laughs> say. And you saw the revenge travel. I mean, it was classic Qantas share price. You just look at that. That's the leading indicator for the travel, right? Yep. If people are flying, they're traveling. And so everyone else flows through. And Qantas, around this time last year, peaked. And the revenge travel was at extreme level, and everyone priced him. That's going to be forever. It wasn't, mm-hmm. uh, and it's not different. Um, and all the travel agency stocks again run up. Um, and to the to this point, I mean, corporate travel is a great business model, but it's a cyclical. It's as simple as that. So it's a concept of where the consumers are, are where they're headed, and the outlook statement looks very dicey. The short-term outlook looks very risky. Now everyone has long-term plans, and they have a very good very credible plan. But a lot of things can happen between now and then. And that's what the market is telling you. It's tough. Consumers are going to struggle. So for me, all travel agency stocks are going to struggle. Flight Center has issued nearly double the shares to pre-pandemic. Mm, mm. So right now it's trading at pre, you know, around the same level as pre-pandemic, yeah. even though the share prices are up. So in theory, uh, the market cap is the same. So all of these stocks are relatively well-priced. Corporate travel is priced like a growth stock. So the reality is they can't just be delivering solid results. They have to keep shooting the lights out. And that was a miss and it got hammered for it. So for me, the question is now the market is going to be doubtful about the short term outlook. And that's going to take a bit of time. And, you know, if you look at it like for like, corporate travel is probably the better one. Flight center and Webjet probably will have issues. And this is where the warning signs should be out for the sector. Um, The whole hospitality sector will struggle and I think the consumer spending will have a play on this. The leading indicating stocks are telling you. Um, so I wouldn't be jumping in. Um, I, if you're buying a stock, I need to see that thematic has got a turnaround story or the stock is doing something to turn that around. Right, right. I think for in the short term, corporate travel is going to be in the dog box till things turn around. Consumer spending is probably going to weaken. I don't think you need to jump into travel agencies right now. Right, okay. So avoid for you at the moment. All right, uh, next stock, uh, Lockham wants a view on Team Invest Private, uh, a familiar name. Uh, Mark Morland, tell us about Team tell Invest about- Private. It's listed investment company, is it? It is. Uh, it actually, uh, Team Invest started it about what, 12, 13 years ago as a private equity syndicated investments for members. And we listed it about, I think it's five years now since it's been listed. It was a compliance listing though, so it didn't raise any money. And uh, as a consequence, it's not very well known. So it's very been under the radar. It's currently about uh, 45 million market cap, so it's a small cap as well. But it owns uh, a number of uh, private companies, or well, they're not private, they're owned by uh, 
uh, by a team of us private. Uh, I think there's eight now, plus they own half of our insurance, our, um, our um, fund operation, which is very good, and Team Invest itself. So I'm a major shareholder, a significant shareholder in the in the business. So obviously I can't say it, I recommend you buy it because I'm I'm very I'm very biased. But it's on a P pretty I think uh, sub ten at the moment. Uh, it's fairly illiquid, but it's got some very good businesses in it. It's profitable, and I expect it to do well over the next few years. Okay, that's really about what I can say. All right. Nathan, putting your independent hat on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you've heard it's, it's small. Yeah, it's small. And I mean, illiquid. Exactly. So you start from what our view is on top down. You you know, we talked about asset managers. It's tough. Yeah. Um, retail brokers, it's tough. I mean, they're not doing any uh, turnover. Um, fund managers, active managers, you've got passive funds basically destroying active A fund managers so it's tough out there um performance fees are struggling outflows makes it worse it's been on a downgrade i mean i'm talking about the overall sector has been on a downgrade cycle for years i don't think you need to be a hero right now um market is at all-time high this is the 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 insanity of random stimulus on every bad news has left markets at all-time high the people who manage assets in the markets at historic, relatively low, multi-year lows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you go, how does that work? Well, the likelihood is there has to be some normalization, which means markets come lower. If markets come lower, everyone's fee structure will have lower fees. Right. So the risk yeah. is relatively high, and I, that's why I'm not bottom picking, and most people are suffering from um, asset flows, outflows. So in that context, you don't want to be there. So it's nothing to do with individual stock. It's just I just think the sector is in a tough cycle. Yeah. Hopefully, I mean it's bad for all of us in the industry because the market is going nowhere in two years yeah. and is going up and down and it's not helping anyone. So we need to have it some is, kind of it is weird the market psychology because we're at virtually all time highs, aren't we? Here and in the US, but volumes are so low. Yeah, well basically because if you think about the weights of how the market has moved. The U.S. megatechs about seven stocks, 55% of Nasdaq. You can actually have seven or eight of those stocks and have 20 to 25% of the global index. Right. So if you're a passive fund, you just buy those five or six stocks and keep pushing those stocks up, which means the overall market on market cap goes up, right. and active fund managers underperform. Yep. So yep. it's it's been one of those weird rallies since November. Uh, I mean, who knows when that stops? But it's hard for asset managers at the moment. Yeah. I mean, they are cheap and there will be a cycle for them, but I don't see the bottom at the moment. So I'm waiting to see how the numbers turn around. Okay. All right. Our next stock, Les wants a, a view, at Nathan, on Appen. Now, Appen has always been seen as, uh, as an AI uh, business, but basically it has a heap of staff and it, it sort of well, how would you describe it? Teaches the AI how to recognise different objects and services and things like that, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like a factory. Yeah, uh, the the, pro- the problem here was they always had this risk of key clients being massive chunk of their revenue. Yeah, and that was something that we've spoken about years ago. I mean, we all everyone knew that, uh, and. My experience with a small cap called Infomedia, when they lost a major client and suddenly 20% of your revenue goes out, and then yeah. you go, oh dear. Uh, yeah. So it becomes a risk when you find out. So, and that's played out for them. As much as it is 
Uh, uh, because they were doing it a, a lot for Google. Exactly. Weren't they? And Google has now pulled out. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's the risk. You become inherently tied to them. And the whole concept of there wasn't a huge mode for them. Uh, and that's come back to uh, haunt them as well. So, yeah, I mean, right now it's had a bit of a bounce. I mean, you wouldn't even see it in the chart, but it's had a bit of a bounce. And that's on the cost cutting side of things, right? Mm. So you don't buy a tech stock because cost cutting. So yeah. um, it, it could be something in the future. Someone has to come up with a new strategy on what it's going to be and how it's going to drive that. At this point, I don't see the huge growth story. And you don't buy a tech stock for cost cutting. So what about $40 to 40 cents? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we've all been there in stocks that, uh, I mean, everyone, like everyone, I mean, look at Kogan, for example, yeah. how far it ran at the start. It's like everyone's went, that's Amazon. I was like, oh, wait. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. Uh, uh, there are moments when the market gets carried away. Not like, you know, we see that now as well. But the thing is, when it's going right, nobody's going to say, oh, this is not an AI stock. Yeah. Right. And when you say it, you look stupid. Yeah. And and I make myself look stupid a lot on this show. And I do that regularly. That's that's not you know, a problem. Or ever since we've been covering this, even even during its peak time, you've always said it's not a tech tech story because yeah. it's it hires so many people. <laughs> it's it's, it's not AI. Opposite, it's the AI. opposite of AI, yeah, right? Yeah, it, it actually exactly. it kind of feeds it, but yeah. Look We've always said that the best tech stocks are platform techs that can drive organic structural upside. Yeah. Your Altium and Ordinate are classic examples. Like yeah. I think um, you know we like a few other ones. Zero has a certain potential of that, but it's kind of different because of the accounting standards. But look, there are a lot of stocks who have that kind of skill base and that kind of offering, and those are the ones you want to be there. Right. They have the scalability and growth aspect. Yeah. Appen does not. Yep. Uh, Mark Mullen, you've always said about Appen over the years, the issue is that AI could actually replace Appen, uh, which, is, which is exactly what's happened. That's right. We, well, I think we absolutely got Appen right. Uh, we used to like it up to 218 uh, when it was still growing very strongly. But I think they've got a million workers around the world on contract who were basically uh, writing the descriptions of photos to then feed the air. This is a cat laying on its back. This is a cat walking backward in 500 languages and so on. But we always thought at the time, A, this is not a tech stop. They're a tech, they're a tech stop. Enable. I think Facebook was their other really big client. And then what they were doing is, of course, they were using Appen to teach their AIs to be able to do image recognition really well in, in more complex ways. And then, of course, the question then is, well, as soon as you do that, there's a certain point you get to with the AIs. They're going to need Appen anymore. So our view was Appen, where would Appen go then? They had nowhere to go because that was their whole reason to be. So uh, we had invested in it for years and it was definitely the right call. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and you wouldn't be back in it? No, no, no. Because, well, I don't even know what we're going to do. They'd have to reinvent the business mm. to do something else. And from our point of view, then that'd be effectively a startup and we'd want to see five years of history right? Uh, before right. we would consider investing in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, new new uh, chief new executive, chief so uh, that that is the issue with a company like this is that they they are going to have to reinvent themselves. I, I, I don't know what else they can do, but there's any company when the share price goes down ninety eight percent, and they're basically their core business is appears to be disintegrating, and that's I think it's true. What what other option do you have to reinvent yourself or just sell it all, close the doors? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, our next stock, uh, Nathan, is IGO. Liz wants a view on that. The nickel, copper, and cobalt miner. Um, the Nova nickel, copper, and cobalt operation in Western Australia. They also have 51% stake in um, Greenbush's lithium uh, with uh, Chianchi. Yeah, I mean, look, we've been a big fan of this previously and had a great run. Um, and then we thought it was getting overpriced um, at that point, this is a couple of years ago, and at that point, management was had a really good track record. And if you had to pick probably a handful of diversified miners, IGO would have been one of them. And they did, they did pretty well. Um, we got out because the valuation got too pricey. Remember, right. mining stocks are cyclical. It just, it doesn't look like it, but they are. Yeah. Um, and so we got out and then they made the lithium purges and went nuts, right? And we missed it. We didn't chase it because the market priced in fair bit. And, and then we've had multi-angle attack on the share price. You've got lithium prices falling. And then you had nickel prices nickel, falling. Yep. And they made this acquisition into Western areas that turned out to be a mess. Um, and so you name it, what can go wrong has all gone wrong. Um, so you know, the, looking at the last couple of years, people are going to doubt management track record. And that's and they've got a bit of changes there, but still, that's going to be on their back. Yeah. Look, I, I have to admit, everything that can potentially go wrong it has gone wrong. I'm actually, you know, I, we've been out of all commodities apart from oil and gold for a good part of two years. Yeah. And so I'm not, um, you know, angry with it because of, we've been right on that. But it's come back now. It's halved. And, you know, but then there is a risk in, involved in this. You don't want to pick the bottom. I can't see where the base metals are bottoming out. Right. All of them are under pressure. Um, now, iron ore has come off. Uh, the two commodities that are outperforming gold were iron ore and uranium, and both of them are coming off as well, back to the pack. Gold is standing there. Gold miners are underperforming. It's the best commodity running around. Yep. And so it's a tough market out there. And I am looking at South32 and IGO and Min Resources on a weekly basis. I just don't have any signals to buy it. Right. But I'm looking at it going, there's going to be a time. Okay, so what signals do you look out for? Because every, everyone on the on the, uh, the call panel say, always say um, commodity stocks are cyclical. Yes. And so when they're too high, they're going to wait for them to drop. But then at the bottom of the market, everyone's nervous to get in. Sure. Uh, Am sure. I going to get in too early? Will there be another leg down? Yeah. Whatever. So what do you look for? Yeah. So for me, the uh, so the leading indicator is uh, no matter what uh, people say, it's China. Right. If China is doing better, if China is driving construction within China or outside China, that's a huge catalyst. Right. Right. The other thing is... So it's all about China. It is all about China. Right. Uh, and yeah, you can have India. Look, I'm from the subcontinent. You can have India, yeah. but India is no China. Mm. Right. Uh, so in that context, China is massive, what it used to be. Yeah. I don't think China is blowing up or anything. It's just evolving to an, the next level. Yeah. But that next level doesn't require so much commodities. So we need emerging markets to do better so that we can have construction around other projects outside China, yeah. which is not happening right now. Everyone's got too much debt. So I don't see the catalyst there. I don't see China stimulating and I've said this before, about a year and a half of fake stories, but there's actually no real stimulus boost there. So apart from that, US dollar is strong. I don't see base metals suddenly bouncing. 
So I'm keeping an eye on all the base metals. They're not doing anything. Yep. I don't need to pick the bottom. I'll wait. If I miss a bit, it's okay. It's halved. <laughs> Even if it runs up 10, 20%, I can chase it. Yep. So in that uh, scenario, I don't see anything but South 32, IGO, Min Resources, high quality diversified players, but in a bad cycle, keep an eye on it, but it's not right now. Mm. Uh, Mark? What do you think of IGO and, and talking about those cycles? You're, you're a big fan of mineral resources, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. So that's our exception in the case. Because as you know, we don't like uh, mining companies who uh, are dictated to by commodity prices in principle. Yeah. Mineral resources yeah. came into our orbit as a, as a mining services company 15 years ago. Yeah. So what's happened is over the years, it's become more of a miner than a mining services although, business. Although but mining still, services is better. Yeah, mining services is still a big part of it, isn't it? That everyone forgets about. And, and, it, and it returns well over 20% on um, uh, return on capital. And it's grown at well over 20% a year. Yeah, it, all the way through. So it's a spectacular yeah. business. But what Chris Ellison got much more into king making and being a player in the lithium particularly um, and board interests uh, and he's into energy now as well so he's he's now um, moving into the it, what it seems to be wants to play in the big league against Gina and uh, BHP and Rio and so on and look good luck to him you know as far as we're concerned we think he's the best capital allocator in the mining uh, industry so I haven't I, I would put a lot of I have a lot of confidence in Min because of Chris Ellison. If he went under a bulldozer tomorrow, I would sell the stock right. Inst- inst- right. instantly is right. what I would do. Right. Getting back to IGO, they do own half of Greenbushes, which is, um, I think, I'm pretty sure it's the largest hard rock lithium mine in the world, I'm, I'm pretty sure. So it's a spectacular mine, um, owned with the Chinese, of course, but that's good because obviously the Chinese are going to buy from, if it push comes to shove, uh, Greenbushes has probably got a guaranteed out uh, for their output to all go China without any problem. Um, it's very cheap. I mean, I don't, I can, I can only look at the numbers. It's on a PE of five at the moment trailing, yet its earnings growth over the years has actually been very good. Mm. So, um, uh, you know, that's all I can say. I don't know anything about the management or anything, but it does look very cheap. And I find, just going on uh, what Nathan said, I think, we, we don't look at the way as trying to pick the bottoms and so on because you just can't do it. You know, it, it, our view is uh, similar with the corporate travel argument. If I'm confident what the earnings growth is going to be, that's the key thing. And it's hard with mining. Uh, but I'm confident what the earnings growth is. I can calculate what my returns are going to be. And then I can see whether it's effectively a bargain now or not. Forget it with us the bottom. How do you know? I mean, uh, the number of times I've uh, put orders in for something below what I thought was cheap and then I didn't get it and the price sales away and then you have the opportunity cost of missing out altogether. We take the view now, just like Buffett does, of working out what that price is, that you'd be happy to own it. And if the market goes down to that price, you start buying. And if the market's going down, you keep buying. So we, we're into the uh, chasing a falling knife, if you want to right. call it that, right. because I don't know what else you can do. And then once it bottoms out, assuming you still want to put more money into it, you buy it on the way up until it gets to the point where it's now not a bargain anymore, and then you stop. Mm, okay. And that, okay. that task gives, we get consistently 20, 20% compound on that kind of strategy. Yep. So yep. would you be buying would IGO be, at these levels? No. Right. No. no, only because it's not, I'm just not interested in it. Also, it's surprising that their earnings seem to hold up as well as they have considering the how much nickel they have when you look at the carnage in the nickel market. So yeah. I don't understand yeah. that either. But that's that's maybe just their, their current situation with their partnerships. I don't know. Okay. All right. Um, um, Peter wants a view, Nathan, on AIC Mines, Gold and Copper Explorer um, in Western Australia. Peter says, I'd like to hear 
what the experts think about short to medium prospect for this company. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it. It's a 130 mil. Um, it's tough, in, as we just discussed, in the in, in the commodities market, um, and explorers are not getting the love. Right. And, right. and you don't have to be a genius when you look at the share price. You know that's what's happening. Right. Um, so I would be a bit more cautious. Um, and I we are not in any base metal um, place. Uh, we we basically only in the oil stock and. A, a few gold stocks, right? Uh, because right. we just don't have any confidence that there's going to be a demand pickup in the short term. Right. Till that right. comes around, I don't think you need to. And explorers are on the, I guess, the riskier end. So we're not there. We actually see the value right now in mining services rather than the junior miners and the explorers because they're seeing much better contracts. And remember, they locked in very weak margins before. Now that the margins are improving, uh, they're getting an upgrade cycle. So you think of, you know, our best performers having things like Kodan, Downer, um, and uh, Service Stream. So we're looking at mining services, professional services. They're seeing big upgrades and they're doing quite well. So go where the performance is, and that's in the mining and professional services. Okay, so you still see their better value than mining itself. Okay. And uh, Mark, what do you think of AIC? Um, I've never heard of it, and I, I just having just having a look at it now. Um, it's it's losing money. And I look at the ten year history, and it's sort of chopping along, you know, slightly up, slightly you know, from small profit loss, nothing there that I could draw any conclusions from. Uh, it's got the other thing that I notice is that the the shares outstanding have jumped from uh, about 97 million in 20 up to 462 million shares. So I'm not sure what they did. Maybe they made an acquisition, but that seems to uh, match the increase in share price that it's uh, the PE ratio on what it's had, but uh, only 125 million market cap. It's lost 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 five million last year. I don't know how you how you value it. Right. Okay. All right. All right. So no for no, you. No. Let, let's recap the uh, the first five stocks. Stock of the day is Kogan, um, and um, uh, that's a no from both Mark and Nathan. Corporate travel a buy from from Mark a no from Nathan. Uh, team Invest Private, which you've, you've followed the Team Invest uh, investment strategy. This is their listed uh, private equity business. Um, a no from uh, from Nathan. That whole sector um, is going through a, a cyclical downtrend at the moment. Uh, Appen, a no from both IGO, a no, and AIC Mines, a no. Uh, here on the call, we've been uh, tracking our own high conviction fantasy portfolio. It was picked by the investment committee, uh, the last investment committee meeting at osbiz.com. Um, the new committee meeting will be coming up in the next week or two. Back at that February committee meeting going into February, uh, Challenger was sold and Santos added to the portfolio. CSL and Macquarie were trimmed and that, that trimming added to AUB and Karoon. And uh, currently the fund is up 25% on a cumulative basis. Uh, this half hour, we'll be having a look at Steadfast, Cromwell Property, Objective, Hazer and Laserbond. Uh, Mark Morland, Brad wants a view on Steadfast, the um, insurance uh, broking roll-up. How do you see Steadfast? Uh, it's a, it's a quite a, it's a good business. 
Um, it's not our. We've never actually invested in it, uh, or members haven't, as far as I know. It doesn't quite pass on return on equity at 9.9. We have a minimum of 10, and 6.7 on return on capital. And the reason is they've got about 50% debt to equity, which I assume is using um, um, uh, debt to uh, fund the trans transactions when they're buying brokerages and so on. Uh, they're a ticket clipper on the industry, so it's a low risk business really, and most of the insurance you know rolls on every year, so it's a it's a reliable business. Business. You see that in their earnings. Apart from COVID, you know, they're very, very stable at about uh, 98%, which is really good. Their sales, interestingly, have, have managed to maintain that kind of 90-plus consistency over a decade, even through COVID. It's their profitability went down in COVID. Uh, currently on a PE of 30 trailing, which is in the top middle of the top quartile of its price. So it's pretty popular at the moment. And we're showing it returning 7% per year on a margin of safety and it's paying about 2.5% dividend uh, or up to 30% on our default, uh, which is the more optimistic, based on what its history has been. And if you look, if you want to buy price on it, I would say, because it's a good business, I would uh, have no trouble owning it, but I want to buy it on a margin of safety. And if I bought it on a margin of safety of 10, then I could pay up to $5.21, and it's okay. currently $5.91. Right. Right. So that's not that far off, by the way. So right. yeah, if anyone's, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's quality business, and if you could buy it on a 10% return on margin of safety in our in our scheme of thinking in team invest that's very cheap yeah so usually you do a lot better than that right yeah so so if you're in it it's good business but around five dollars for new money 521. 521. Okay. Nathan? Yeah. Um, look, it's it's a great business for the market where we yeah. are. Um, the, one of the biggest um, inflation feeder is insurance premium. Oh, no, and, 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 and we all know it's going up and a lot. Uh, and Oz Brokers and uh, AUB and uh, Steadfast are, the, you know, they're pretty much trading similarly. Yep. Um, they're good businesses, they've accumulated well. Um, and they've done well, and they're pretty much trading with the bond yield. So you had a bit of a, a pullback in bond yields, and then they come off, and then they run up again. Back near the highs, um, and they should be uh, for the macro. They're in the right place. The management has a track record of executing. I don't see any negative news, um, but are you going to put fresh money? Well, if you put fresh money, you have to either chase uh, price performance or yield. The yield's not high enough when you've got bond yields at 4% plus. Um, so in theory, you want growth. I don't think you're getting the discount in the multiple for that. Um, and in the, I think the market loves it, um, and they should. Uh, they're executing, and they're doing the right thing. So if you're there and you've had a run-up, you're not going to care what I say. You're going right. to hold it, right? So it's, it's worth hold holding. It's a definite hold. It's right. a definite hold. Uh, but putting fresh money, I don't see the argument for it, but it's a defensive position. So I right. think it's a good defensive position, both or, AUB and Steadfast are performing as well as I expect them to. Right. Uh, do you prefer them to insurance companies themselves? Uh, yes, um, because predictability is better. Right. Um, I, you know, I know actuaries um, and the science project that ins insurance companies are. <laughs> and I mean, those guys are weird. No, nice guys, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they're weird. And even they struggle to price those things. And I've got no hope. Right. Um, and it's a yield play, right? And where we are, they've done well. We've been in both of them, yeah. but we got out because the risk return is now not worth it. Uh, but look, if you're in 
the brokers, they've been the best performer. They were better yeah. than the insurers. They went early, they've outperformed. Because if insurance premiums are going up, the brokers take a cut of the insurance premium without the risk of a natural disaster, which an insurance company has to take themselves. So it's, it's like being it's in a, a very simple play. It's like being in an asset manager with asset prices going up. Right. Right. They are in the perfect spot and they're executing. Yep. What's not to love? Yep. But the, the only problem is the market knows that. So you're not getting right. a huge discount, but if you are there, yep. enjoy it. Enjoy it. Okay. All right. Uh, and next stock, uh, Simone wants a view, Nathan, on Cromwell Property Group, a real estate investment trust, a REIT, uh, mainly in the commercial office market, 210 uh, properties under its, uh, under its management, Australia, New Zealand, and also in Europe. Yeah. Nobody's surprised that the share price is down. Mm. Um, and oh, look, it's tough. Um, you look around, plenty of office space, uh, the risk is high, um, and your yield is, you're only getting around 4%, 4.3. Um, so for me, the question is, these kind of stocks, you want to get a decent yield because the yield matters, uh, because that's, it's a yield stock. You're not buying a growth stock. So. Technically, the market is underpricing this because of the risk. The yield is not that huge to attract you to it. So, in that, you know, in a like for like, I don't see the need to be there. We, we have been out of or the REIT sector since mid 2021. Right. And you're out of them altogether. Altogether. Right. Uh, because this is where the risk is when things go in this cycle. Yeah. Um, if you remember back to the GFC, the only sector to not go past pre GFC high is the REITs. Right. And there's a reason for that. So um, there's always something that comes out. A lot of assets have not been marked to market. I expect sometimes in the next year or two that'll happen. So I'm not willing to take a risk. If I am, I'm only going to a few really high quality ones like Goodman Group or something. Uh, the traders, they, they're good so at So you're not, not in Goodman either? No, no. Uh, we got out at near the peak. So, um, you know, they're one of the listed private equity players, right? Yeah. They're yeah, really yeah. good. Uh, it's a tough market for this sector. This is not the, uh, I think, the one that you want to take your bet on. I'd be staying out of this one. Right. Okay. Uh, if interest rates start to fall, do you Yeah. Think... So that's basically, or you know, raising uh, water levels will raise all boats, yeah. right? Everything will do better. Um, it, it will happen at some point. Um, and when that happens, this will bounce back. And th there are two sectors that I am, or three, that I'm really keeping an eye on, asset managers, REITs and retail, the right. bad retail. Right. They're all down 20, 30%. Yeah. Or some of them are a hell of a lot more than that. And so all of these things at some point will turn around. But for me, looking at the numbers, the rate cut cycle in the US determines what happens here. US is being delayed. Now we the first cut is in June. Uh, I suspect that was going to get further delayed. So while that's being delayed, none of these things are going to rebound anytime soon. So I don't right. need to rush. Okay. Good man at a five year high. I know, I know. Don't, don't. I mean, the thing is, there are some stocks where I got out. I said, "This is extreme valuation," and then right. it goes extreme past my extreme. So, uh, look. So not, you'd be selling Goodman? Oh, uh, look, I would be. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're they're great. I think they're top five or six list of private equity businesses. Yeah. But if you bought it cheap and you're thinking twenty years down the track, these five or six listed private equities, you hold them and you don't care. Right. Right, the Macquarie's, the West Farmers, the Infratels, the Goodman Group, 
um, you know, the soil patterns and the brickworks. Right. You buy those guys because they evolve with the overall market. Yep. They buy different assets, they asset trades. Yep. So yeah, if you're, if you're in that thematic and you're holding um, on that context, you're holding Goodman Group, yeah, you're not going to care. Okay. But otherwise, I wouldn't. Mark, Cromwell? Anyway, full stop. We don't like the structure and how the amount of debt they're carrying. Often they pay the dividends out of debt as well, which is all yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty funky from our point of view to really, to really understand. Uh, the problem they've got, of course, uh, which uh, Nathan touched on, is that uh, there hasn't been a lot of transactions. So the price discovery that then sets valuations hasn't really been happening. Now, at Cromwell, because they're largely in office space, that's probably the weakest area or the one the area that's going to get the hammered the most on revaluations if uh rents continue to go down or the current lease market and occupancy ratios go down as well so i think of the rents the office area is the most dangerous which is where these guys are yeah um and they actually made a, a substantial loss uh last year so the trade 12 months so yeah i wouldn't go near it because i think the the potential for much bigger write downs is is there with all the rents i mean uh, Goodman Group is probably the exception in that they have a lot of industrial and uh, warehousing for Amazon and so on, which is all going well. So yeah. they're they're yeah. they're a bit of an exception. I wouldn't I wouldn't be racing out to buy Goodman, by the way. <laughs> it's very expensive. Uh, but companies like Conwell, I don't know why you you wouldn't touch it now. You'd wait and see, wait and see what happens over the next six months or a year with interest rates and uh, valuations, because it could easily be a lot lower than what it is. And this company has 82% debt equity. <clears throat> so if property prices get valued down twenty percent, say, which is not fudged at all, yep. it wipes out their equity yep. in the in the business. So then you have a call from the banks going, "Hang on, you need to cop up some more money, so they have to do a raising or whatever, or sell some properties." Right. And that's right. all pain and woes. I wouldn't want to buy into that. Okay. For some uh, would, you, would, you, would you be selling would you good money as well at these levels? I would if I had it. I don't have it, but yeah. if I did, I think. Um, I, I really don't like the area anyway. Goodman is the best of the area. Yeah. Yep. And I've got quite a few members that do have shares in it, and we've passed it. We've um, we had Goodman in, and we've talked to them and so on. And it's a quality business, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it is amazing it's when you look at that REIT space, and it's just at a five-year high, and everyone else is trading around the floor. All right, Brad, Brad wants a, a view, Mark, on Objective Group. It's a, a tech business founder-led um, a content management software, mainly in the government sector. Yes, yes, we know it well. Um, we 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 reached in this stock back in the two tens, two elevens, and the CEO and the founder owns about sixty five percent of the company. And back in those days, what he was doing was doing share buybacks and not selling any of his shares into it. So we thought he was effectively privatising the business without paying any premiums. We didn't like that. Anyway, as it's turned out, he didn't keep doing that and he still got about the same. So he still got um, a 65% uh, interest in the business. Uh, very, very strong trapdoor mode. I mean, one of my members described this as being, if you squint at it, it looks a bit like T&E. Right. Uh, it doesn't have the breadth of product of T&E has, but in their niche, which is managing document security, access and so on, mainly for governments and militaries. So it's high uh, high damage areas if you get it wrong. Um, they're, very, they're very strongly entrenched. Uh, it's not a big business though, so uh, market cap, uh, which I remember it was, market cap, it's a good, um, it, nine, uh, 1.1 billion. Oh, sorry, sorry, take it back. And net profit margin, 19%. It's, uh, it passed our filters. We did a smart on it recently. 
uh, and it passed doesn't pay a very big dividend, about 1.4%. But it's on a 43p. Now, 43p might sound a lot. This is a legitimate tech stock, I would argue. And they are growing overseas. They've, they've done a few um, acquisitions as well. But they're currently P43 is at the bottom of the green, which means it's at the absolute low of its range, which usually is up to about 80 to 90. Oh. So it's a, it's, a, it's a stock that's had a high PE for a long term. And we're showing it returning um, 7.6 on a margin of safety and 37 per year on default. So it, it looks pretty good. And if you look at it for a price, if you want to get, go back to my 10% um, uh, on a margin of safety argument, it's um, you couldn't pay, where are we? It's currently 11.99. You, you could pay, you wouldn't want to pay more than $9.50 for it. Right. Okay. All right. But but worth, hold, worth holding if you're in it. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a hold. It's, it's, it's a good company. It's got 28% return on equity. I don't think it's got any, any debt of significance. It's okay. a good business. Okay. All right. I love that description, though, Nathan. If you squint at it, <laughs> it, it looks like technology one. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of if you squint at app and it looked like an AI stock. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the worrying part. Look, I actually think this is interesting. Um, Objective Cobb I mean, has been pretty good and have had serious fans following this talk for years. Hmm. And it's been sliding, downgrades, downgrades, sliding, and they still love it. So a lot of people who I actually think are pretty good at judges of these things have been wrong for a while, but they haven't changed. And they're all mystified why this hasn't turned around. And, you know, well, I looked at the numbers and I got, it's actually not bad because uh, as Mark said, the multiple is high, right? It's yep. extremely high. I like that. Because when you've got a beaten up stock, the last thing I want is a low multiple. Right. Because if it's low multiple, then people have high expectations for a beaten up stock. It can only go further down. Right. Now, if it's got like a 40 multiple, it's like, I, yeah, we don't think these guys are going to do that well. Actually, that's not too bad. So in a beaten up stock, you want high multiples. You want the opposite of what you normally would want. It's not a yield stock, so you're not buying it for the yield. So you're buying it for the growth. It's come back hard. I actually don't want to, it's one of those ones, it's a bit like, I mean, it's a really bad comparison, but you know, just look at what happened with the experience with Domino's. Yep. Every time the market runs into the result, because they think, oh, they'll get it right now, they'll get it right now, and they got hammered and hammered. Even I am right now looking at Domino's going, they must, and he came on you. Yeah, yeah. I and I thought, oh, it's, I'm getting sucked in again. And I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna wait. I'm i just keep telling God the data tells me to wait. So I'm gonna, but I thought Don, Don May when he came on. He did a good job. Yeah, yeah, really confessed. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's what I wanted to hear, right? I wanted to hear. Yeah. The guy is good, right? Yeah. He executes well. I eat a lot of Domino's. Right. So he executes well, and the local business is doing well, right? So I have my trust, but it's not about the trust. I got to look at the numbers. So for our clients, it's all about numbers, right? right. So I am waiting for the first upgrade in uh, Domino's. Similarly, I am waiting for the first upgrade from um, OCL. Right. It is one that when it turns, there's so many people who love this thing, right. there will be demand. But everyone's been wrong, so everyone's kind of worried. Right. So, uh, look, for the, the person who put the list in, hold on, wait and see, wait for the first upgrade. When it comes, don't care if it bounces 10, 15, 20%, get on board. Right. On the first okay. upgrade, we are all on board. Because right now, I don't know where the bottom is. The business is still 
turning around, it's downgrade cycle. Just yep. classic signal. When you're in a multi-downgrade cycle, don't pick the bottom. Yeah, okay. All right, uh, our next stock, Mark wants a view on Hazer. Mark says, what's the view on the commercialization of the Hazer low carbon emission hydrogen process um, in consideration of the recent capital raise, mate? Yeah, tough. Mm. You've just raised money, um, and so you're back to the multi-year lows. Um, it's a technology that I struggle to get my head around, so I let the market decide. At the moment, the market's not certain. Yep. Um, so unless you have very good uh, understanding of the technology and you want to back management, um, sure. But that's not uh, my skill base, and I try to bet on things that I can measure. And I can't measure this. Right. Um, so in theory, um, I'm waiting for execution um, and market to pay for that execution. Right now it's not. Um, and it's technically underperformed, has multiple downgrades, disappointed the market on expectations. Yep. And every time it runs up, comes back, runs up, comes back, runs up, comes back. Hmm. So, you know, it's not happening yet. So unless the, the caller has a particular insight that they're playing on, um, sure. Um, you can, that, that's your prerogative. But for me, I can't measure something. And if I don't know, I'm flying yeah, blind. And I, I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. too hard. Uh, Mark? Yeah, I agree with that. It's, it, it, you can only treat it as being speculative because even their earnings for the last 12 months were negative 12 million. They've raised more money, but the, the rate of losing money is accelerating. Now, if they're obviously developing this technology, which I don't know uh, or understand it, uh, if it's going to be successful and commercialised at some point in the future, well, it may be a great story. But I think we're a long way away from that. And it seems that once you get onto the trend of accelerating losses and raising money, yeah, I, I think it's a tough market to be able to keep shareholder confidence. And I think Chris Ellison put some money into this a couple of years ago, and people went, oh, oh, yeah, he's a brilliant capital allocator, therefore it must be good. But I, I pointed out at the time, he put money into lots of things on the basis, I think, is watching reefs to keep, so he has a seat at the table with whatever the technology is doing or uh, what's happening with any uh, uh, corporate activity as well. That doesn't necessarily mean he thinks it's got any merit at all, <laughs> other right. than um, right. it's a potential player in an area that's prospective, even with you, whether you're confident about green hydrogen and all that sort of stuff, which I'm, I'm cynical. Um, so no, I, we, we have zero, we have zero interest, never looked at it. Okay, all right. Uh, and our final stock uh, today, Mark, uh, Laser Bond. Um, yes, it's not in lasering of um, skin or hair follicles or whatever. Uh, it's completely the opposite. The manufacture of industrial components um, that helps the performance of machinery and, and keeps them operating for longer. Yeah, yeah, this is actually a pretty solid business. It's um, it passed. I just had me look at it. It passes our filters. The only thing it fails on is market cap, which its market cap is about eighty-two million. We usually don't look at things under a hundred million yeah. because of uh, liquidity issues. Even at a hundred million, you can have liquidity issues. But um, it's got return on equity of fifteen percent, but uh, uh, quite stable. Would come off. Used to be up to twenty-five um, percent, but it's always well the last. Eight years has been above our minimum, which is good. Um, earnings growth at 23% over the last six years. So not straight line, but um, very good earnings growth over the last decade. COVID didn't seem to do much to them. 
and uh, with 83% stability. Sales have been growing at a 13% a year with 90% stability. So that's, you know, we'd like, I'd like to see earnings growing faster than sales, but this is an industrial supply type company, so they don't have the leverage of a tech stock. So, yeah, that's okay. So, um, uh, sorry, earnings are growing faster than sales, which is a good sign. Uh, debt 38%, which is not too bad, it's manageable. And we're, we're showing it returning um, a bit over 10% on safety and 27% on default. So uh, assuming the liquidity is okay, I would have to call it a buy. Okay. okay. Uh, Nathan, is this in your uh, mining services area? Does it come under that umbrella? It's, it's actually a stock that I've known for a while. Right. Uh, for a weird reason. One of my old bosses from back in the day he had it at 10 cents and wow. uh, going back in time and at 1819 it just went nine times right and he sold now i had no idea and when he was selling it's like what what are you selling david and he was like da, da, da. and i went what the hell is that that's why when he said it i was like what laser <laughs> and that's the name stuck in my head and i was like okay and he was he was into it then and it's pretty much has gone sideways for the last five years. Yeah. Um, and they made a big acquisition recently. Only the, in the last week or yeah, so. I was wondering and, what that pullback yeah, was. Exactly. Was it earnings? Yeah. No, it was uh, the, gateway parts and equipment. Yeah. In, so it, 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 the logic makes sense, yeah. but this is not a market to make acquisitions. Right. It, any M&A, the market is just throwing the kitchen sink at it and walking away. Right. Uh, so, and I've been in a few uh, gold stocks where they got hit multiple times for the same acquisition. Right. Uh, so, um, it is a thematic that's playing out. Um, it's been, I have to admit, while others have outperformed on the turnaround, this has been pretty solid and held it through the last couple of years. So, uh, look, I, the valuation is requires a decent amount of growth. Right. Uh, as Mark said, it's it's not a big cap stock. So you've got to be careful here. Um, and I think if you've been in the last couple of years, you've gone sideways, you probably should go somewhere else because you've got a micro cap with big multiple. That's a high risk play in this market right. after it's gone 10 times yep. uh, from where it was in 18 or 17, 18. So um, yeah, I would probably take the money and go somewhere else. Uh, but yeah, if you're a recent player, you haven't taken much hit, we'll go somewhere else. But if you held it all this time, well done, um, and I don't think anybody saw this coming, and you probably will give management more leeway, and you probably hold, and that kind of makes sense. So right. if you held it for a while, you probably will hold it, and I think yep. that makes sense. Okay, so hold it. Yeah, if you're a long-term okay. holder, you would be holding through yep. it, because you want, you trust management, yep. but short-term, I think it's risky. Okay, all right. Let's recap the, uh, the final five stocks. Steadfast to hold from both Mark and Nathan um, under Team Invest. Uh, metrics to get that 10% return uh, to be a buy around $5.21 for Steadfast. Uh, Cromwell, a no from both. Objective, a hold from both. Um, again, a, a buy price under the Team Invest uh, filters is around $9.50. Uh, Hazer, a no from both. And Laser Bond, a buy from Mark and a hold from Nathan. Uh, that's it for us for today. Mark Mullen from Team Invest. Thank you, sir. Good to see you. You're welcome. Great to see you too. Thanks, my man. And, and Maiton Summerson Barron from Deep Data Analytics. Always great to have you aboard. Thank nice you, to sir. be here. Um, uh, Maiton's off to the physio now for a bit of a 
a warm down after Christmas. Steroids. Well yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you've got these stocks you'd like us to cover here on the call, um, by all means, go to osbiz.co slash callpicks and we'll add any comments or questions about the particular stocks. That always makes it fun. So feel free to do that. Or you can send through the stocks that you're interested in on X. Tweet us at Ausbiz. TV is the uh, is the handle. Uh, that's it for us for today. See you same time tomorrow for the same, another edition of the call. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.